welcome to the Your Life Unchained podcast, helping you break the chains keeping you from reaching your true potential in business and life. Here's your host, Rick Scheninger. Fear, overwhelm, procrastination, disorganization, or just general chaos. We all have challenges we have to overcome in order to live life on our terms, to turn our ordinary into extraordinary. Your Life Unchained will deliver simple steps, tips, and strategies you can implement immediately into your daily routine to help you take control of your life and turn your dreams into reality. Welcome to the Your Life Unchained podcast. I'm your host, Rick Scheninger, and it is with great pleasure that today I introduce our guest, Babylon Brooke. Welcome to the show, Babylon. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's great to be here. Super excited. Babylon has a, an incredible story, and I can't wait for her to share it with all of us. An incredible journey that she's been on from Hollywood and being in different commercials and all kinds of things on stage to some challenging times. I'll let her, I'm not going to spoil the surprise, but some challenging times she's worked through and it's just made her the person that she is, which is an amazing person. And I can't wait to share her story. So Babylon, so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you again for having me. It's really nice to be here with you, Rick. So tell us, you got your start in front of the camera in some ways. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So my background comes from being a stage and TV actor. So like you said, a lot of theater, I toured with musical theater, like national tours that you would go to in your hometowns where we would come in, that kind of thing. And commercials, odds are I've been in your living room many, 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 many times for a variety of products and brands. And I was also an international award-winning host. So a lot of red carpet that sort of world, and a Fortune 500 spokesperson. So that is my background in terms of entertainment. That's exciting. And at one point, I think you lived in Philadelphia, did you not? Yes, so that's <laughs> where I'm from, born and raised an extremely proud, proud Philadelphian. <laughs> we have that in common. Yeah, so what's super, super interesting about that, I'll just share with everybody a quick tidbit. I used to work for a company called Trader Joe's. You may or may not have heard of it. And there is a location in Center City, Philadelphia. And Brooke and I discovered that she was shopping there at the same time that I worked there. So it's very likely that our paths crossed and we didn't even know it. We didn't even officially meet until Clubhouse just a few months ago. <laughs> yep, yep. So how many years, 15 plus years later? Isn't that insane? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I can't even fathom that. <laughs> I know. And it really shows you how small the world is. It does. Because it? It I mean, you live out on the West Coast now, and I live in outside of Atlanta, Georgia now. We're, you know, in some ways worlds apart. And yet, mm -hmm. here we were, crossed paths, didn't even know it. And now we've crossed paths again. Yep. And, I, and I still love Trader Joe's. I still. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And Trader I love Joe's needs to sponsor your podcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love it more now that I'm not working for them anymore. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah, I see that. So going back to that, you moved, you moved from Philadelphia out to the West Coast, out to California. Mm -hmm. And that's when you ran into a challenge. Is that right? 
Yes, I had already been out here. I, I come from Philadelphia, but I had done, like I said, the touring thing and I lived in London and New York and then eventually moved out to Los Angeles. And I was out here for hmm, maybe, I think five, five plus years. And I was in a car accident on those of you who know Los Angeles, I was on the 101 just outside of Hollywood and I was in a four car pileup which I have to make this point because I am an advocate for this. It was caused by a distracted driver and we don't know exactly what that person was doing. They said <laughs> that they had just flown in from somewhere. I think they were from England and they rented a car and they were tired and they were going out like on this joy ride to see the city and they were looking around. They weren't really paying attention. So they were the first car and then the rest of the cars it was just you know what it was i'm very thankful that i was in an suv because my suv was totaled but had it not been for that i think you know we wouldn't be talking today so i am like i said i'm an advocate for distracted driving i really it breaks my heart when i see people doing that on live streams or when i hear people doing that on clubhouse you know they say oh i'm driving so you know this, that, or the other. And it just, all it takes is one second. That, that's it. That's all it takes. And it, it, even if you're the best driver, you don't know if everyone around you is, if they're as aware as you are. So I think, you know, that's just ultra important to always be completely at attention when you're behind the wheel for your sake and for the sake of others. So I was in that car accident. And the crazy thing is that I walked away from it. So I was in tremendous pain, but nothing was broken and wound up, you know, going to the ER and all that. But I was, for the most part, it seemed good. And so I started physical therapy. And for a year following that, I was in therapy, physical therapy, six days a week because the pain was excruciating. And we were taking care of that. Within that year, I started to have difficulty speaking and even breathing. And no one could seem to give me an answer as to why. So I was sent off to this specialist, then that specialist. And I was going into the second year. It was upwards of close to 100 doctors that were in on this whole thing, trying to figure everything out. And because specialists are great, but <laughs> they're specialists for a reason. They specialize on one part of the body. So if you exhibit symptoms that you would think are, for my case, breathing. You know, I went to a number of pulmonologists because you would think, oh, well, that's coming from the lungs. Well, it wasn't. So they look at the lungs and they go, okay, lungs are okay, bye. You know, or hey, go, go over to my friend, this other pulmonologist. But that's not where the root of the issue is. So if we're not finding the root, what do we do? So this took forever. My difficulty was escalating and it was escalating quickly to the point where I would stand up, I would wake up in the morning, I'd stand up and my heart rate would shoot up to 160 and I would fall down. Oh, wow. And then I would crawl to my phone to where I would call 911. And this happened over and over. So I was hospitalized many times, elongated hospitalizations and wound up having six neck surgeries. And still, these were all just band-aids. They couldn't figure things out. And when I was hospitalized, they would put me in the cardiac unit because the way my heart was operating. 
But again, the problem wasn't in the heart. So this all happened over the course of three total years following the accident. This was my life and it was a nightmare. So finally, the decision was made three years into it for me to become housebound. They figured out what was going on. And it was that if you've ever heard of the vagus nerve, that was compromised. And it isn't the vagus that we all know and like, you know, it's actually V-A-G-U-S. And that's the main nerve that runs throughout the body. It connects to all the major systems, including cardiovascular, respiratory, everything, all the important ones. So when that would become agitated, my body would go haywire. And transit was one of the things that would agitate it. So if someone were to take me to the doctor, being in the motion of a car would agitate the nerve. So this took a really long time to see. It wasn't something that was showing up on MRIs or CAT scans or any of that. And I had plenty. So finally, when this was discovered, I became housebound. And for the next several years, I was just like everyone has been for the year of the pandemic. I was inside four walls. Only in my case, I was laying flat on a massage table, staring at the ceiling, wondering why I was here. And my partner quit his job, became my full-time caretaker. He would spoon feed me, take me to the bathroom, read to me, all of that. And then I received home health care six days a week. A doctor would come for anywhere between four to six hours. He would hook me up to all these various machines. And in that time, I became estranged from my family because they were on the other side of the country in Philadelphia. And they couldn't understand why I wasn't able to be talking to them on the phone because I couldn't talk. They didn't understand any of that. I, I went bankrupt because of all the medical bills. It cost about, well, I won't say it publicly, but it cost well, 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 well into the six digits to keep me alive. And I became suicidally depressed because I was in such a dark place and I felt like there was no reason for me to be here. So that's what many of those years were like. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, you spent all that time you know, on your back. You couldn't do anything. And did you ever think you were going to get past that point? For a long time, no. It just continued to get worse and worse because one thing compounded on top of another, right? And the, the mental and emotional toll. I always say this, as hard as things were physically, and if you can imagine, I, I would actually challenge everyone right now who's listening, if you would close your eyes and take a deep breath, we can all do that together. Like, ah, it feels so good, doesn't it? Just to take a nice deep breath. Now, do it again and imagine that it's not happening. You cannot get that air in. That was every breath for me, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month of multiple years. And it was exhausting. And as hard as that was though physically, the toughest part was the mental and emotional side of it and not having the people that I always thought would be there, not having their support, not having them in the picture. And uh, I was in such a dark place and no, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. So for me, I had to grasp at straws. And the two things I did was number one, I created Babylon Brook. And to me, Babylon means keep going. I had to come up with some kind of mantra to tell myself to inspire me. 
And as someone who always loved talking and, and who spoke for a living, you know, now all of a sudden that was gone. I couldn't even communicate to my partner to tell him how I was feeling or what I needed. So we created a language of blinking. He would ask me questions and one blink meant yes, two meant no, three meant I love you. So that's how I communicated for quite some time. And the other thing that got me through was my faith. I mean, thank goodness I have strong faith. So those were the two things that really helped. And, and then I did, over time, I began to shift my mindset, but oh my God, it took forever. And one of the things that helped with that was I took to live streaming. This was at the same time that Periscope came out. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Twitter's live streaming arm. So I was like, all right, okay, let me, let me check this out and see what it's all about. So what we did was we rigged an iPad so that it could basically like levitate above me while I was laying on the massage table. And then I would go on there and I would watch other people. So I got to see the world, which was such a gift because I'd be laying there just always staring at the ceiling. Now, instead I could see the world. I could see people in Australia in Japan, in England, wherever I could, I could be there with them. So that was helpful. It was also sad though, because then as soon as it was over, I would go, oh my gosh, well, I'm not there. So I started live streaming and I would do it through blinking. I would blink to them and we taught them what that meant. Over time, as I began to be able to speak again, then of course I was, you know, telling them what was going on, but we would show them the doctor's visits. People, tens of thousands of people would tune in to watch my doctor's appointments when he would be here. And it was just wild. And that grew quickly. And what I found was they were actually looking to me for hope, which was insane because I was looking to them for the same thing. Right. And they really were my light at the end of the tunnel. They gave me a reason to want to be here. They became my why. And so the messages that I would get and, you know, we had to get a PO box because people would send letters and things. And it was extraordinary that the outpouring of love from strangers around the world. And I thought, and, and people telling me also, oh my gosh, you know, I've had suicidal thoughts or I, I'm dealing with this physical ailment or whatever it is. And I don't think I can, I don't think I can do it anymore, but now I've seen you and what you're dealing with and how you're triumphing and and now I feel like I can keep going I can babble on I mean it was oh it gives me chills still to think about it and so that's really I thought okay I have to do this for them I can't give up I can't give up I have to get through this to show them what's possible that's interesting because I, I bet a lot of people can relate to any period of struggle in their life where if there's been somebody that that has been their lifeline I can't give up because of so-and-so Yeah. give up because of my son, my daughter, my spouse, my mother, whatever, fill in the blank. But it's so often the case. And yet it's also so often the case, like you mentioned the other way around where we are in that place of struggle and we really need someone, something to hold on to outside of that. And they're also looking to us for guidance or su for support, you know, in the case of a, of a child, they're looking to us for, for everything, for you know, a younger child, they're looking to us for protection and for food and for shelter and all the basic things, but also love and caring and just being there for them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's our reason for our own perseverance. 
Absolutely. And I think, I know that for me, I had been looking online for some time to see if there was anyone else ever around the world that had gone through what I was going through to the extent that I was going through it, where it was something, you know, the same kind of physical route and I couldn't find anything. And I, that made it so much more difficult because it wasn't something like, oh, this is a broken leg or even something as, you know, terrible as let's say cancer or something like that, where you can find a community of people that understand and and you have resources. This was something so just strange and also unseen to the naked eye. So people couldn't understand or relate. So without finding someone that I could look to for inspiration, what I didn't realize was happening at the time was that I became that person for others. And now, even though I'm still, yes, going through things, I look at it as a gift. And that's a big thing that helped was shifting my mindset because what an honor and a blessing to be able to be that person for others. Whereas before I really felt, you know, I was in such a pit of self-pity and feeling bad for myself and all the things in life I've missed out on, you know, while everyone else was settling down and furthering their career and having kids and traveling the world and all that stuff. I was just, it's like my life was put on hold, but it really wasn't also because I was learning so much that I could then help others with. So part of that was that you were adapting to the situation so that you could continue to grow. But let me ask another question. Do maybe you don't know the answer to this, but which came first, changing the mindset or the light at the end of the physical tunnel? You know, I've been asked that so many times. It's really tough because to be completely honest, it was such a long span of time. I'm coming up on my 10 year anniversary of the accident. So a lot of it blurs together. And I've tried to figure that out because I want to know. I think that it was very much, (laughs) yeah, chicken and the egg, but it was also whichever one did come first. Let's say I would see just a little progress physically, like the tiniest thing, the the most minute detail, I would cling to that. I would cling to that and I would celebrate that, you know, internally and just, okay, that was a win. So it was my reaction, my response to the physical, I think that then, okay, now I'm I'm shifting my mindset without even realizing it. I'm starting to go down that path and now, okay. So the next physical thing, like what's the next goal? And, And it could be, I mean, it took me years to be able to, I remember this was a big one, to be able to drink a glass of water, like to do this, to take a sip of water on my own without having someone else hold it up for me took years. And when I finally did that, that was, it was like, you're taking me to Disneyland, you know, like, and, and so I held on to that and celebrated it really. So it may have been a combination of little victories, both physical and mental because I'm sure there was a celebration when you figured out how to rig up the the iPad above your head. I mean, that was more of a mental victory than it was a physical victory because it gave you a gateway. It gave you a door to the outside that you didn't have before. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, to get to that point with the glass of water or with anything, I did have to tell myself that it was going to happen, that it was possible. And even believing that something like that was possible, it took me a long time to get there. 
I wish I could be one of those people, you know, you hear these people online and they go, oh, I just shifted my mindset. And the next day I manifested this and it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's completely possible. I believe in the power of manifestation. Right. I think what a lot of people aren't sharing is that that takes practice yes. and practice <laughs> takes time, you know, and, and it also takes a full belief that, that that's even possible. Mm -hmm. And so I wish I could say, oh yeah, you know, in, in 2013, I felt this and the next month I felt that, or even the next year, 2014, I felt that. No, it was like, man, this whole journey started in 2011 and I, oh my God, I don't even know how many years it took to finally start to see shifts. And so it definitely took time, but I know that the mindset was playing a role like that entire time without me realizing it, both good and bad, a lot of bad. Yeah, and you make a good point about the mindset. You know, so many people refer to it as just flipping the switch, but it's just not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. Exactly, it takes practice. Well, it's just like anything. I like to refer to it as the brain gym. You know, you're taking yeah. your brain to the gym. You wouldn't expect to go to the gym tomorrow and all of a sudden, like you're working out your arms and you have these big guns the next day. It, it, that doesn't, it's not how it works. <laughs> right. So it's the same with, with our brain. The beauty, I think, is that unlike physical, you know, muscles that you can see with the brain, I feel like, let's say you take a break from the mindset stuff. It's that much quicker to flip that switch once you've had the practice, if you get out of practice, as opposed to building, you know, the external muscles. Right. Mindset's the greatest gift, I believe. When you're intentional with it, when you choose to be positive with it, oh my gosh, it infiltrates every area of your life, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, everything from imposter syndrome, you know, we've talked about before and confidence and everything. Everything somehow comes back to mindset. Even physical challenges come back to mindset. Yep. There's that old, that old saying, whether you believe you can or you can't, then you're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk in a little bit more practical terms. You know, for those who are listening, what are some tips that may help them get to that point of shifting their mindset? You know, maybe they're in a dark place or maybe they're just feeling stuck. It doesn't have to be a dark place, just feeling stuck and not going or not growing anywhere. What are some tips that can help people kind of get break that stuckness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something I love to share is and this is something everyone can do no matter what level they're at in terms of their mindset work is to focus on what you can do, not what you can't. And also focus on what you do have, not what you don't. And start from the most basic things that you take for granted each and every day. So I always say constantly, I've been ending every live stream since I started live streaming with this. I say, remember always when you wake up breathing, it's a good day because it is when I wake up and I take a deep breath, I feel like I've won the day because I know what it's like not to, you know, to be on the other side of that. And so starting first thing in the morning, when you wake up, getting into that attitude of gratitude is extremely powerful and it can take 20 seconds for you to wake up and go, oh, thank you for the air in my lungs. Like I'm so grateful for the air in my lungs, the roof over my head, the clothes on my back, the food on my plate, the energy in my body, the love in my heart, the peace in my soul, whatever it is, but these things that we take for granted, 
how amazing are they? Because not everyone has those things. When you focus on that, you start to see, wow, I really do have a lot. I really am an abundant person. I have a lot going for me. I might not usually think so because maybe I don't have every Louis Vuitton bag I want, or I'm not driving a Lambo, or I'm not vacationing in the Maldives or whatever. And we're always comparing ourselves to people online. But you're so rich just by having the air in your lungs and having, again, the roof over your head, having clothes on your back, having food to eat. When you start to work out that muscle, you know, you go to the brain gym and you work that out. What that does is it starts to open up a whole world of what you have because now you're in practice. So then you start to go, I have a comfortable chair to sit in. I have this beautiful laptop and awesome technology to be able to connect with Rick, who's on the other side of the world. I have this, you know, incredible phone. I have my glasses so I can see. I have whatever. You start to be aware of all the things you do have. And the same is true for what you can do. So maybe you can't run a marathon. Maybe you can't whatever, you know, your whole list of things, but you can most likely most people can get up out of bed and walk to the bathroom. You can go and pour yourself a cup of water. You can, yes, I say water. I won't ever stop. <laughs> water. You know, like I, I, I can look outside. I can hear the birds chirping. I have my amazing sense of hearing. I can see the gorgeous sun in the sky and the blue sky and the clouds and the trees, all these simple things, you really got to dial it down to like brass tacks and start there. And then you'll begin to see all these things that fill up. I like to call it, it's like making deposits into your gratitude jar. And the more you do that, the more you'll see that there's so much more to be added. You know, and now you don't feel so depleted. Now you don't feel quite so stuck because you go, okay, well, wait, I've been hampering on the fact that I can't do this or I don't have that. And that makes me feel so stuck. Well, instead, wait a second, I can do this and I do have that and I can do this and I do have that. And it multiplies. Now that's going to unravel that stuck spot. So gratitude is giant in the grand scheme of things. Nice. So I've got two other questions for you, and then we're going to go ahead and sign off. But first question is, what would you recommend to that person who is trying to practice gratitude? You know, oh, I have this wonderful laptop, and then suddenly their laptop doesn't turn on anymore. Oh, I have this, oh, I can breathe. And then they have they get allergies, and they're having trouble breathing with the pollen, for example. They're showing gratitude for these things, and then they get hampered. They get a roadblock because something happens to one or some of the things that they're expressing gratitude for. How do you keep from backsliding? That's a really good point. I love that. So first step would be, again, you know, you're going back to all the things you do have to be grateful for and not because like you just said, now it's okay. I'm grateful for my laptop. Now the laptop doesn't work. What does work? You know, maybe your laptop doesn't, but does your phone does your, you know, wallet, can you maybe consider going out and getting a new laptop? Does, you know, your pen, could you like take notes in the meantime on paper while your laptop isn't working? You know, what are the things that are working for you? What do you have? What can you do in the meantime? And also give yourself grace. Know that, you know, no one's life is perfect. Things are going to happen. 
more often than not, things are happening, I believe, for a reason. So maybe that laptop stopped working so that you wouldn't see something you don't want to see on social media. Or you had a call scheduled with someone and their energy was just off today. So you missed the call, but it kept you, it protected you from going down that path. Mm -hmm. I like something that I use a lot when I talk with people is think about traffic. When you're in traffic, maybe that traffic's happening for a reason. That traffic could be preventing you from an accident that's mm -hmm. further down the road. You don't know. So whenever something seems off, if you can start to shift your mind to even being grateful for it being off and that, you know, it takes time, like we talked about, but right. the more you go down that path, the more you practice, the more easily and quickly it'll come to you. Love that. It's amazing. And then one last thing, because I know you've got to go, but when you get up in the morning, mm -hmm. first thing, let's say stagger into the bathroom, you're going to that bathroom mirror and your, you know, your hair is a mess and your eyes are half closed and, you know, you, you see yourself in the mirror. What should you say? Congratulations. Congratulations. You did it. You're amazing. And I love you. Let's go make this a great day. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Great place to end. What a wonderful conversation, some amazing tips, some amazing strategies, and what an incredible story, incredible journey that you've been on. I can't thank you enough for being here today, Brooke. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really nice. This has been Your Life Unchained podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Your Life Unchained podcast. We'd love to help you break the chains that are keeping you from reaching your true potential in business and in life. So don't forget, like, comment and subscribe and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.